Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, welcome back everybody. Welcome back Playmakers. It's a wonderful day for an episode. It really is. We are excited about this one because she is not only a part of the industry in one aspect, but a couple of different ones. And so we won't ruin the surprise. We will toss it on over to her and let her introduce herself. Hey y'all, I'm Caitlin Colwell. I'm a high school coach and teacher, and then I'm currently dating Tate Witten. He is a wide receiver coach over at Charleston State University. And so what do you coach and what what grade do you teach? Okay, so I coach uh, volleyball and softball, and then I teach high school special education behavior. So I do it all yeah. on all the subjects. And then we just ended volleyball season literally last week and then just ran into football this week too. So it's been oh my wild this fall. You must really like sports because that is a lot. That's a lot of schedules. <laughs> I was just thinking about all the crossover that happens between all those sports. So with all the busyness, how did you meet your significant other? We love hearing these stories. So back it up a little bit and give us the the rundown on that. Tay and I met, gosh, it feels like we've been together for years, but it's only been a year and a half. But Tate messaged me on Instagram and y'all are going to think, oh, he had this cute pickup line. No, he said, hey, <laughs> and that was it. Like period, got to the point, got to the message. And he was like, hey, I want to take you up to dinner. And I was like, okay, cool. And then ever since then, how did he find you together. on Instagram? How did he? Uh... I don't know. And neither of us know. <laughs> like it's just some random guy. I had been single for about three years by then. I was perfectly content. And here came along tight. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, football coach. Yeah, dad's a football coach too. Check, check. Hey, cool. Oh, wow. So, okay. So your dad was a football coach and we usually feel like when we interview people that are coaches, kids, their dad, or maybe them, they had the conversation at a young age being like, I will never date or marry a football coach. (laughs) Was that a conversation or you were the opposite way? I was kind of more the opposite because I knew this was about the only thing I wanted in my life. I wanted football in my life somehow, some way forever. And I honestly used to tell my parents I wanted to marry an O-lineman because they're big old teddy bears. And that's what my dad coached and everything else. And here we are dating a receiver coach, getting ready for all of that. And like Tate came along. He was like, are you sure you know about the coaching world? I was like, oh, honey, please. (laughs) Ryan me. Yes. I feel like coaches' kids are so resilient to a bunch of change just because a lot is thrown at them. We talk about it all the time because, you know, parents have a worry that they're going to move their kids all the time. And they're not going to have any consistency, but everyone seems to turn out just fine. So with your journey, how many times did you move growing up? And then where you're settled now, you know, what's the difference between all that? So what's funny is I've moved over 20 times. Wow. Like, and Tate's also a coach's kid. His dad's actually the head coach at Tarleton and Tate has probably moved five times his entire life. And then I've moved over 20 between my dad coaching high school and then jumping in a few other areas. But now Tate and I are here at Tarleton and he is hilarious because I'm like, okay, yeah, I can move. I get the itch to move. And he's like, no, like we're going to stay and we're going to stay as long as we can. And I'm over here like our box is already out. Like, come on, grab the U-Haul. Let's go. I'm ready. And so he has to calm me down all the time on, hey, it's not okay to move all the time. I'm like, 
Yeah. And it's fun. You get that itch to move for sure, Mm -hmm. especially once you do it more. Yeah. Especially once you do it often, you're like, okay, I'm ready. But when you were a kid and you were moving, do you have any experiences that you could share that were either positive or maybe potentially negative experiences that you were like, I will definitely not do this when I have children or when I move? You know, what kind of lessons did you learn when you were a kid moving around so much? I have five siblings, no, four siblings. There's five of us. But I was the easiest kid to always say, hey, we're up and moving. Because it was a new new adventure, new friends and everything else. Um, when I got to high school, it was a little bit harder because you kind of get that friend group and you're in sports. And if you're being recruited for sports, it's hard mm-hmm. because you don't want that college coach to lose you. Yeah. And my junior year, we decided to move from the Keller ISD system all the way to East Texas to Jacksonville. And I had zero interest in moving. I remember packing the boxes and looking at dad and going, I'm not moving with you. I'm going to stay right here (laughs) and being a little stubborn pain in the butt I was. But that was probably the hardest move because my dad was my head softball coach that year, my junior year. And, you know, you've got the politics of being a head coach and then being the coach's kid on the team. No one really likes that. And if they do, they don't tell you that they like it. And that was probably the hardest year that I've had as a coach's kid, having to live all the politics of that and remember that fans in the stands and even your teammates, sometimes it's in one ear out the other as a coach's kid, but it makes you the most resilient and it is the most rewarding like career and being a kid as a coach ever. You know, what's funny is I think that the other perspective, I mean, I, I played softball my whole life too. And I feel like the coaches kids, I always like felt bad for because mm-hmm. the coaches were so much harder on their own kids than they were on anyone else on the team. So it's funny that you say that because I think from the outside perspective, you're like, dang, I'm so glad I'm not the coaches kid because yeah. they have it way harder than anyone else. Cause they have to live up to this expectation that like you are the coaches kid. So people think you're getting special treatment, even if you're not getting special treatment so Mm -hmm. they have to play the opposite card and be a lot harder on you so gosh that is hard to do that especially in high school yeah I feel like that would be a difficult transition I think about the politics of it all just even in high school and having people become your friends and you don't know if they're like actually your friend or they are friends with you because of the status of it all so that would be really difficult to navigate at that age and with that what are some things that you've learned that you feel like because you're a coach's kid though it's helped you even today like as an adult because we feel like with the moves and the transition just that growth piece a lot of people don't ever have to go through that some people live in the same location their entire life and are perfectly Mm -hmm. content but we're obviously crazy in the opposite so (laughs) what are some things you've learned that you're like because I'm a coach's kid this has helped me right now definitely to have grace Mm -hmm. I think that's probably the biggest thing is to not only have grace on yourself as a coach's kid but on your mom and on your dad I mean, it coaching is such a public career and it's insane how public it is because you've got fans in the stands that have an opinion on what you're doing. You've got board members and you've got teammates and other schools around town that have an opinion on what you're doing. And just to have grace as a coach's kid to realize that everything that your parents do, or even as a coach, everything that you do is for a reason. And God puts you there for a reason. And it's all going to work out. There's going to be hardships, of course. It's not if, it's when. And as a coach's kid, you just kind of have to realize I'm doing the best and my parents are doing the best they can and to just have fun with it. 
that's yeah. good there's and there's always those games and those years where dad's losing or mom's losing and it's hard and you hate seeing that but being that kid at home that puts a crack in their smile for the day and have some fun that was kind of my thing my, especially when my dad would coach me I would come home and we would still joke Mm-hmm. after we yelled at each other in practice and we yelled at each other in a game and I was like okay still love you but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm, not on the field but when we're at home we're cool <laughs> well I'm thinking yep. about I'm like your significant other probably got like a, like an easier like start with y'all as a relationship because yeah. I'm thinking of myself like having no idea what this football world is like and you're like oh I got this like I already know the hours I know all of this and then you know our significant others were like boom reality (laughs) we had to like figure it out (laughs) so I think that would be like such an interesting way to start your relationship is that you already had that common ground and you already knew the expectations which is so different Mm -hmm. than usual yeah so when Tate and I met he did not realize that I am like a football junkie and he I think he knew knowing my dad was a coach (laughs) but I love watching film and breaking down film like it's we could do it every night I'd be the happiest person ever I think the one thing that did throw me back is because dad's in high school and my and Tate's in college I did not realize how crazy their off season was mm-hmm. because when we started dating I was like hey it's softball season come on like you're coming to all my games and he's like no like I'm <laughs> recruiting and I just I remember I would look at him and I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Tell tell everybody you need a day off. And he's like, huh, yeah, try me. <laughs> yeah. PTO. So like the off season was such a like an eye opener. And then when we got about halfway through the off season, I was like, oh, like you're like you're really like going crazy right now, recruiting kids and trying to work that magic. And I had been recruited for softball and everything else. And I did not realize how much goes into it because I I'm in the high school world. That's where I love being. Yeah. And I would never step foot in a college because Tate works. It's 24 seven year round. Mm-hmm. And I tell people sometimes they're like, Oh yeah, it's off season. He's at your softball games. So I'm like, yeah, he comes to when he can, but he's working right now yeah. and everything else. Yeah. It's so. almost off season is almost worse than in yes. season for college because they're gone so much recruiting and it's not just like, Oh, one game, at least in football world, because we only have one game a week, you know, but mm-hmm. when they're recruiting, they're gone for weeks and especially if they're yes. driving or maybe they have to fly, they have to go away for a while to see all these kids and they have to make it work with those kids schedules. So it's very different than in season. And it's definitely hard to kind of balance when you're in the off season. So that's your season for softball. So you guys have polar, well, and then you have volleyball too, but you guys have crazy Mm -hmm. schedules going on. So when do you make time for each other? And when do you make time for y'all's relationship? So during the fall, this fall, I was always out the door by about 445 every morning, going to practice. And then I would walk in the door about seven, eight o'clock and Tate would be walking in about that time too, but he would leave at like seven in the morning and get to work but Mondays were his short days so we would always come home and I love to cook so we would have a good meal together and cook and then normally after games we would sit and we would talk and catch up and try and like be each other's like venting shoulder yeah in a way because we are both word vomiters when it comes (laughs) after games or after practices 
but we're not like it with anybody else, which is the funny thing. Cause I talk to other coaches' wives and they're like, no, my husband comes home and he's silent. I'm like, oh God, Kate and I don't ever know when to be quiet <laughs> most of the time. But during the season for both of us, especially this fall, because I coach volleyball, which I had never coached before, never played, didn't have any interest in it at all. And they, oh I was God. told, Hey, this is what you're doing. I was like, sure. Okay. <laughs> And then we had a, then we've got our puppy that we just got. And then I'm doing my master's on top of that. Oh my and gosh. Tate and I, he was funny because he would look at me all the time. He goes, do you want to talk? And I was like, no, <laughs> I can't talk to you right now. <laughs> and so the way that we did it this fall was pretty much just being conscious with each other when one needed to talk or, Hey, I need a date night. Let's go out. Or I don't want to cook. Can you go pick up pizza? That's probably our biggest thing. And then during off season in this past summer, we did a lot of weekend trips mm-hmm. when we could, when he had off or late date nights and asked his parents or my parents to watch our pups. And I mean, that's just what we did. We just make it work because y'all know yeah. it's constantly go, 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 go and everything else, but it could be a lot harder. No, we love that you just kind of you figure it out. And we love that you just have that perspective of like, you know, there's a busy season going on right now. And this is just temporary. And with your master's, what are you what are you trying to get your master's in? So I'm doing it right now in special education to be a diagnostician. So when Tate and I have kids, the game plan is for me to go move over to that role. Because it's hard being a parent and having two coaches and then kids, having one coach as a parent is hard enough. So I have a huge passion for special education. I, I didn't know I had this huge passion until I really got into it. Because I have a younger brother who has autism. Mm-hmm. Both my parents teach special education. Wow. And so I got into it thinking, oh, this is this is kind of the easy route as a coach. Like you just kind of go into this and it's not. And it's something that I told Tate. I'm the most passionate about because I love working with the kids that no one else wants. Mm -hmm. And I love getting them plugged into different things. And he's crazy because my career idea changes every year. Last year, I wanted to be an AD and then I wanted to be a head coach. And I'm like, nope, I want to go be a diagnostician. And so Tate's just like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Do what you want. That's so cool though. So what does that schooling entail? And like, what do you have to do for all of that? Yeah. So you've got to get your bachelor's of course. And then your master's can either like, you can just get it in straight special education or, but I put the emphasis on being a diag just so Mm -hmm. I can help kids get in the right placement for schooling. And then the diagnostician route, you take internship classes throughout the semester and you've got to fulfill these hours and you have to test volunteers. And so poor Tate has been one of my testees. (laughs) And he's had to deal with that and deal with the numerous Zoom calls I've had to do through it to other volunteers. And it's about a two-year program, depending on how fast or how slow you take it. And then you take this large diagnostician test that's very daunting and everything else. And after that, you've got it and you just, you become a school diagnostician. And in most schools, um, you go between like an elementary, a middle school, and then a high school, and you do all the testing and all the ARD meetings and everything else and write all the IEPs, which is, it's paperwork in itself, but it is almost just like a coaching job. So you have to go from school to school to do that, basically. Yes. At all different levels. Yeah. hmm Wow. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, that's a, that's a great, though, career path because we always chat about which – 
job or industry is the best for your significant other to be in if you're going to be with a coach and it's mm-hmm. the it's a great path to take because it's definitely transferable for sure and with right. an amazing passion tied to it as well and with college football so I'm thinking about the season just coming is coming to an end for everybody and that mm-hmm. transition period is lingering around about to start kicking off in full force so how do you handle that and your mindset because I know that it's just probably a part of your lifestyle you're like well if it happens it happens but for those that do not have that normalcy and aren't really just aware of like how to control those emotions and those feelings during that time what would you say to someone like that to have patience and to just realize like even if your team goes in playoffs or if you don't you're tired as a wife and so is your husband, but you're now at the point where he's changing roles. If he hasn't already been recruiting or going, especially at the high school, if they're going into a second sport, he gets about a week off and boom, here you go on to the next one. And so remembering that you you're with each other and to love each other hard, but to have such like meticulous patience Mm -hmm. for one another and my, my mom is probably the best person I ever go to advice for because she's a coach's wife. And I'll call her all the time. I'm like, mom, how did you deal with this with dad? Like when he would transfer from, we just lost third round in football. And here now he's got to flip over to powerlifting or softball or whatever he coached. And my mom said, well, we would take a couple of days off and love hard and go out on a date and reset. And okay, here we go next season. And we would like, she goes, you just kind of have to be versatile and move that way. And I think as the coach in me, I'm awful about taking breaks. I'm just, okay, boom, 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 we're going to keep going. And Tate is, right now is in the Kate's Thanksgiving break. And of course, he's out recruiting right now, but he is much more of a, okay, as soon as I get back, we're three days of just you and I chill and reset. And I think that's what you have to do as a coaching family. If you can get your phone away and whatnot, try your best. I know it's not possible, but to reset and just have patience with one another and knowing that the transition is hard. Mm -hmm. Season's probably the easiest thing ever, but any type of transition, that's the hardest thing, especially if you're moving because there's so many scary and unknowns, but having patience and knowing that you're there for each other and you have people that actually have your back and will always support you is huge. Yeah, I love that perspective. I feel like with all that you've been through within the coaching world too, you probably have a good insight on like things that your parents did when you were younger, when they were planning for that transition or, you know, moving. I know that you said that you didn't want to move one time, but do you remember anything specifically that they said when they sat y'all down to say like, okay, this is what's happening. We're moving here. Do you remember anything that helped you during that time? Yeah. So there was one move. I remember they sat us down. We lived in North Carolina at the time and we were moving back to Texas and we were all ready to go back to Texas. And I remember we were sitting down and my mom said, it's going to be a hard move back to Texas because dad's not coaching probably. Like we were just trying to get out and everything else. And the main thing that my parents would always sit down and tell all those kids is we would have different options. Like dad would come home with three to four offers, especially in the high school world, which that's not crazy uncommon but it can be uncommon and we would talk about every move so like my junior year when we moved dad had three offers and we sat down and talked about all three and we voted and the one that ended up with the most votes and seemed more logical for the family is what we did and if you didn't like it we would sit down and we would talk about it and my mom was probably the best on saying that it's your dad's dreams 
and we are part of that dream and knowing that every time the move or anything that we would do we had to say in dad's dreams or we had to input in availability in dad's dreams and that's kind of like the same thing I tell Tate anytime he's like oh I want to kind of look and see everything else I'm like okay it's your dream and your passion and I will follow you and I will support you but we have to talk about every single dream and passion and I think as a coach's kid you do kind of get that right in that say yeah sometimes is to just sit down and say okay I want to talk about this especially if you've lived somewhere for three to four years. I mean, I, I moved a lot every year. And so if we were someplace for two to three years, I was like, Hey, time out. It's my turn. Mm -hmm. I have a say. And I think you do have a say as a coach's kid. Like you have a say as a coach's wife, no matter what, it all comes down to just having each other's back. And that's what my mom always, always put in a perspective that even if we didn't like the move, if we found a group that we really like, she would always have our back and everything else. I love that. Yeah, I, I got so chills. cool. I think that's cool because, you know, it did, it does put that in perspective. Like it's a family thing, even though like this is their job and this could be a great opportunity for them. At the end of the day, like their family is number one and their family is the <laughs> most important thing. You know, we always say like, yes, it's, it's just a game, but it's also more than a game in the same sense. But, you know, your family is number one. And if you can't make that decision together, it's hard to make that decision alone because that's right. You, you know, you're not going to have the support of your family. So I love that. Oh, yeah. I love that they did that. Yeah, that's a really cool way to have your family unit feel supported and have a voice instead of being told like, hey, just to let you know, this is happening, <laughs> like you're moving. Mm -hmm. So I think that was such a great way that they approached that. And my next segue of what I want to go into is fans in the stands, because as a coach's kid, this one is rough because you have to sit there and listen to what they say about your dad or your mom and kind of just take it and be silent. And so with that, what were some stories that you could share or remember where the fans were a little a little much on maybe one of the games and then what advice you would give someone that has a coach's kid that is going through the same thing oh gosh the one that's probably the craziest is my first year teaching and then my school and my dad's school were playing each other and I sat with my mom with my dad's school side and there was a family not afraid to be noisy and everything else and I remember my mom and I would just kind of turn around and you know give those silent like please be quiet glares mm -hmm. and they didn't stop and so I stood up at one point getting upset that it's my dad's last year coaching. Please stop ruining this and everything else. And I told the fan that he needed to be quiet. There were children in the stands or I would happily find someone to remove him. And I sat down and realized, oh, crap, I have my badge on for the school that I worked for. He's going to know who I am. Great. <laughs> and that fan we knew did not like my dad very much. And then the fan did not stop. And my mom stood up. And my mom is not shy of telling people how it is. <laughs> 25 years as a coach's wife, and she's got loudest wife shirt in, in the stands, shirt on, and having fun. And she turns around and pretty much tells the family that my daughter works here. She's going to escort you off. And I'm 5'4", 100 pounds, and this guy's 6'6", 200. I'm like, oh, my God, Mom, what are you doing? <laughs> and the family did. They ended up moving away from us. They got They got the thing. But honestly, as a kid, when I was younger, I didn't hear it as much. Mm -hmm. My mom did really well at you're either plugged in and watching the football game or you're over there with all the other coaches kids playing. Mm -hmm. And if I did hear it, it was mom, what are they saying? And in one ear out the other. Mm -hmm. Ignore it. It's, it's nothing. Now that I go to Tate's games, it's a little bit harder 
because I did not realize, oh, hey, my dad's a coach. I can say that. But now my spouse is the coach. Oh, no. I'm, I'm like a different little mean mom coming yeah. out. And it's so hard sometimes because I remember because I sit with his mom and his family that I call them couch coaches or bleacher coaches. And his mom will turn and she'll laugh at me when she hears them. And I'm sitting there like just dead eyed looking at the 50 yard line, like, please stop talking. Please just stop. (laughs) And telling myself, don't turn around. God does not want you to do that. (laughs) And I just, and I'll look at my mother-in-law and I'll look at her and I'll say, oh my God, you won't believe what he's saying. And I'll tell it to her. And then I'm like, okay, we're okay. Yeah. (laughs) But I think as a wife and as a coach's kid, you have to just learn. And when you're out the other it is what it is. They're going to do it next week. They're always going to say something. Just it's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hard. It's it so is. hard in the moment because you're like, this is so much more than you guys just yelling. Like, this is this is my life. Like, this is their yes. life. And like, you don't understand the the stuff that they go through every single day just to be on the field. And so I get that. But it's also this, you know, a perspective that I've learned recently, too, is like, it's not going to matter. Even if we turn around and like say something to them, it really doesn't matter to them, right? Like they're not going to be like, oh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> like, thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much for your perspective. <laughs> like it's just not going to matter. And I think it's interesting to kind of have that set in and be like, gosh, you know, even if I do say something, they don't care. They yeah. don't care yep. about that. And we just feed more into the fire if yeah. you turn around and it's yeah. just, okay, sure, you have at it. That's interesting, though, that you didn't really realize that as a kid. I think that's a good sign mm-hmm. because that mm-hmm. means that your mom was obviously, you know, teaching y'all not to listen to the noise, which is probably mm-hmm. helpful now being, you know, a coach's significant other because – Gosh, that was the hardest part, I think, for me. I'm not a sit quiet kind of gal. <laughs> I'm not either. The softball in me comes out and I'm like, oh, come on now. Here yeah. we go. I have to remember, okay, I am Tate Witten's girlfriend. Like, nope. And I am Todd Witten's future daughter-in-law. Nope. I got to stop. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and I just stop. No, it's it's tough. It's one of those things where it's just, it's unnatural because you want to just say something back. It's like being picked on and you're like just sitting there and taking it mm-hmm. indirectly. And you're like, well, I have to be the bigger person, which sometimes that's just ugh, not so much fun. Yeah. So we definitely yep. know the struggle with that. And with each season, I feel like you you take something and, and you really learn and reflect on how, how much growth you have had over the seasons. And you have a lot under your belt with football and different sports. So what what is one thing that even though you were a coach's kid and then you came into this new role of being the coach's significant other, what was the difference to you? Like the biggest difference where you're like, wow, this is way different than what it was like growing up. That I sometimes put my foot in my mouth when I talk to Tate about football. No. Because I could go home and talk to my dad about football and say, hey, your quarterback just really didn't run that play right. And I would, and I would critique. And that's just what I did. And I tried that on Tate. And I remember he flipped around real fast and pretty much told me, what are you talking about, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, my dad. <laughs> and so like, if you are a coach's daughter and then you start dating a coach, just hush, support, love them hard. Don't tell them how, that their play was crazy and just, <laughs> just go with it. It's their playbook. It's not yours. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, I had to learn that too the hard way. I was like, why did we do this? And it's like, (laughs) I I have to reword my questions and be like, okay, can we talk about that? I want to understand more the reasoning Mm -hmm. behind that versus like, why why did you put him in that spot? Why did he run that route? But okay. okay. (laughs) But okay, you're right. (laughs) But I understand like from my perspective, I would be hurt if someone did that to me. If they're like, well, why did you 
why did you call that? I'd be like, well, in the moment, you know, so I get it. But yes, definitely learning (laughs) how to maybe reword and reposition your questions. Well, we ask this question every single time at the end of our interview. If you could go back in time and tell your younger self one thing that you learned and would help you now, what would you say? Gosh, to laugh through the hardships. Don't sit on them. And I used to be a big person that's always been, look at where your feet are. And I still am, but I am a more plan A type of person, type A. I got to know what's about to happen next week and everything else. But when things get hard, you have to find the glimmer of laugh and smiles and hopes and the joy from it and to have joy in everything, have grace, have patience, but Lord, have, give yourself some joy when it's hard because it's, it's not, if it's going to get hard, it's when, Mm -hmm. and every season there's that hardship. And even when it's after season or before season, it's always going to be hard and just have some joy. There are football games that are hard. There's soccer, baseball, any, whatever your husband coaches, it's all hard, no matter what. And I always tell Tate, even after games, I'm like, I always love you more than anything. And I will always support you, but I will laugh at you at every hard point that I can. Mm-hmm. And he will turn and he'll turn around and he'll laugh. I'm like, see, there you go. Hard loss. It's over. Boom. Done. Next one. <laughs> and that's just how we work. And that's how we have to run. There are games where he will be down and everything else. So I'm like, hey, get over it. Laugh about it. That that play didn't work. That game it wasn't ours. Okay, next one. And that's what we always have to keep moving forward and just smiling through it all. Yeah, that's a wonderful answer. Yeah, that's a good perspective. I don't think we've ever heard that Mm -hmm. either, which we always love to hear answers that we haven't heard before because it just helps us all grow. And, you know, especially in those hard times, like you mentioned, we're all going to go through them. And so just having a little piece of advice that you can keep in the back of your mind for when those times do come is definitely helpful. Yeah. And thank you so much, Caitlin, for coming on. We know that our listeners and our community have definitely heard this and become better people because of it, because of the advice and just you sharing your journey with everyone. So we appreciate it. And thank you to everyone that's listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on More Than a Season Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at More Than a Season Podcast or on TikTok at More Than a Season for the latest updates. If you have enjoyed this episode, please download, subscribe, and leave us a review on your choice of platform. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.